All right. Well, as you saw, we are back in some of the verses that we have previously covered. Um, but I wanted to kind of pause, and before we go on in the, the story, we'll pick up with the, uh, the narrative next week. I wanted to take a closer look at the events that surrounded the healing of this lame man. So everything we read about today, of course, goes back to what uh, is recorded for us in the third chapter. So we're going to go back and forth between uh, chapters three and four today. And I want to look specifically at the apostles Peter and John and see by observing them in this situation what we can learn about the people God uses. So that's our message today, uh, the person God uses. And, and what I want us to see is that there are certain habits, uh, there are certain practices, there are certain things that are common uh, to those people that God have used, people that God is, has used in um, the distant past, like we have recorded for us here in the Bible, uh, but people that uh, God has also used throughout the history of the church, people that God uh, would, would be using today. There are, there are similar things that everyone who is used by God um, has in common. And so we want to look at those things to the end that we would ourselves be used by the Lord. So we're going to look at those things in a moment. But before we do that, there are three things that... Um, I want to say, number one, God wants to use you. God, God wants to use you. That is part of, of his plan for your life is that he would use your life for his purposes. When I was a, a really uh, young Christian, I'll never forget when I first heard um, this verse I want to share with you. And I can't remember if I read it or if somebody told me about it, but I was so amazed when I, when I discovered this verse. It's 2 Chronicles, and, um, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, and it says this, For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. And I remember when I first heard that, I thought, wow, that is so amazing. Because even in those early days, I felt within me, you know, I felt a desire. I wanted to do something for God. And then to find out that God is actually looking for people that he can work through, that just really, really fascinated me and excited me and, you know, helped me in moving forward and serving the Lord because I knew that, that he wanted to uh, work through my life. So I want all of us to know that right up front. God wants to use you. Secondly, um, we need to know this. There is so much joy and fulfillment in being used by God. You know, this is really uh, true. When, when God uses you, there's, there's something that happens where you just, man, you just feel like, wow, this is just what I was created for. And it, and it, it causes uh, a real joy to, to well up within us. It causes us to just have a, a real sense of, of fulfillment when we're used by the Lord. I was speaking to a lady earlier, and she actually came up to tell me this after the first service this morning. She said, hey, I want to tell you about 
you know, something that happened this week. She was all excited and she pulled out her phone and she had a photograph of a group of people. And she said, see this lady here? And I said, yes. And she said, see this man here? Yes. And so she launches into the story about how the lady had come, uh, was brought by a friend to our sewing clutch. She's not a believer. She's from China. The lady speaking to me is Chinese. And um, so she meets this lady at the sewing clutch, and she finds out that they have some distant connection with each other. They actually have the same last name. They came from the same province in China, all of this interesting stuff. So she, uh, but the lady's not a believer. So she asks ask her to go out to coffee. So she takes her out to coffee. They're having a conversation in Chinese. Um, that there's a man sitting by. He overhears him. He comes up and says, are you speaking you know, Chinese to one another or Mandarin or what, whichever word he used? I'm not sure. But, and they said, yes, we are. You want to sit down and talk with us? Yes, he did. So he sat down. So anyway, to make a long story short, she got to lead both of those people to Christ that day. And she was so fired up just to tell me the story. But as she was telling me the story, and as I could see this excitement in her, I thought, yeah, this is it. You know, this is exactly what happens. When God uses you, it is an occasion for much joy. So that's the second thing. The third thing is this. God uses ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. Now, we see that in the, in the text. Remember that last verse that John read to us there, verse 13 of chapter 4. Remember what it says, that the, these leaders, as, as Peter and John are standing before them, it says that they marveled because they were uneducated and untrained men. Now, the, the words that are used there, uneducated means not that they were uneducated in the sense that they were, you know, ignorant or unintelligent. It means that they um, had not gone through the academic system. They had not gone through the theological universities at the time. So they, they recognized that that was the case. But the second thing where it says they were untrained, the word there is really more properly uh, translated as they were common. They were, they were common people, or another way to put it is they were ordinary. And this is what they were marveling at, th- these ordinary guys. They're just guys. And obviously, this notable miracle had taken place. They couldn't deny it. And so we see through that that God uses ordinary people. God has made it his general practice to use ordinary people. Now, you can certainly find... Uh, cases where, you know, here's an extraordinarily intelligent person or something like that, that God has saved and used. Obviously that happens, but the majority of people have been ordinary people. The people that have had the greatest impact for the kingdom of God in the world throughout history have been ordinary people. And Paul writing to the Corinthians who lived in a very much, uh, a philosophical environment. Of course, they were Greeks, and therefore philosophy was a huge part of their culture. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, he said this. He said, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. 
But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. <coughs> Excuse me. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Now, it's so important for us to know this because the moment you have a sense that God wants to use you, or, or the moment something comes to your mind that you might do for the Lord, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have a thought in your mind that says, you know, who are you? I mean, you know, you're just such an ordinary person. I mean, are, do you think God really would want to use you? Oh, that, that's never going to happen. But now you know. When that thought comes, like, well, maybe I could do this for the Lord, and immediately, like, well, you're just ordinary. Now you can say, yes, I am an ordinary person, and those are the people that God uses. So I wanted us to just have that as kind of our foundation, and, and now I want to, to move on and look at um, certain things about these guys here in the story, and through that, learning from them um, about the people that God uses. So the first thing I want you to notice is in the very first verse of chapter three, where it tells us that Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. So here's the first thing we learn. They prayed. People that God uses are people who pray. Now, praying, of course, is we're talking to God. And also, as we're praying, we are expressing faith because we're not going to pray if we don't believe there's a God. So we're praying, expressing faith that there is a God. And we're also really acknowledging our dependency upon God. You know, if I don't pray much, it just shows that I'm really more dependent on myself or others uh, than I am on God. If a person with a, a strong prayer life is a person who says, you know, I need the Lord. And of course, if we're all thinking correctly, we all need the Lord. But praying is something that you find consistently marking the lives of people that God, have used, God has used throughout history. You find it in the Bible. You find it uh, in the history of the church, the men and women that have, that have been significantly or powerfully used you find that there are people who prayed. So that's the first thing we see. The second thing we see <coughs> is that um, they were men who knew God's word. If you go down to the 22nd verse, now remember here in the story, the lame man is healed. Um, this causes a big crowd to gather around. Peter then begins to preach uh, the gospel to them. And in the course of preaching, telling them about Jesus who had risen from the dead, in verse 22, he says, for Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And then verse 24, yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have foretold of these days. So what we see here with Peter is that Peter knew God's word. Now, remember what the, what the leaders said about these men. They're uneducated. Who, who are these uneducated people? How is it that they can do this? Well, they were uneducated in as much as they didn't go to seminary. They didn't have a, 
a THD or an MDiv, but they certainly had the most important thing. They had the knowledge of God's word. Peter was a fisherman. Remember, he was an ordinary guy. John was a fisherman, but they knew the word of God. And this is the truth that the people that God uses are people who know his word because it's through God's word that he works. We live in a world full of confusion. We live in a world full of questions. And guess what? God has the answer. So people are confused. People have questions. How do we help them? Well, we need to be able to speak God's word to them. But I have to know God's word if, if I'm going to speak God's word. And so these men, ordinary as they were, they were men who knew the word of God. They were able to speak it into the situation there. They were able to address uh, the issues of the day with the word of God. And that's what God wants to be able to do through us as well. That's, that's how God's going to use us if we know his word and we're able to communicate it to others. I was telling the, the last service how I, I think sometimes, you know, I've mentioned before that I, I like social media and you have things like Twitter and uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all of that stuff. And um, Twitter in particular is a platform where, you know, a lot of times you'll have, there's a lot of news on Twitter, but then there's a lot of quotations and things like that. So it, it's pretty obvious that people are always sort of uh, trying to one-up each other sometimes on like, you know, I got this great quote from this guy or that guy and putting that out there. And that's all good. I like to do that myself. But I thought, you know, I mean, can you ever improve upon just basically quoting a scripture? Because if you want to talk about great people's words, well, the scripture is God's word. You don't get any greater than that. You don't get anything that's more uh, powerful than that. And so the word of God is that, that instrument that God uses to transform people's lives. So if we're going to be used by God, and being used by God means in some way or another, getting that truth to people. So we have got to be ourselves um, immersed in God's word. So second thing, third thing we see with Peter, if we go back over into the fourth chapter, they're right in that story that we read today, that, that part of the account. In verse eight, it says concerning Peter in response to them, it says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them. So here's a third thing that we see that these men were filled with the Spirit. And, and being filled with the Spirit in many ways is it's really kind of, the, um, it's kind of the outcome of the first two things. You know, if you're a person who genuinely is in prayer, if you're a person who sincerely is in God's Word, seeking Him and to know His will, you know, you're going to be filled with the Spirit. But it's, it's the filling with the Spirit that actually gives us the ability to do the things that God calls us to do. So if God's calling you to do something, which he is, um, then know this. He's going to fill you with his Spirit and give you the power to do it. Now, we've already seen in the story here, they were filled with the Spirit earlier. That caused them to do many things. But we just see, again, Peter just having like a fresh filling of the Spirit. So those things 
are kind of those, you know, first things that are, are there in the lives of people that God uses. Prayer, the word, filled with the spirit. But then as we go back to the story, we see that there's also this vital thing of taking steps of faith. Now, had there been no step of faith, there would be no story. <laughs> it was the step of faith that Peter took. Now, remember back in the story, they're, they're passing in, they're going into the temple to pray. They passed this man. They probably had passed this man before, but they, they're passing him this time. He's been there regularly. He's asking for alms. And as this time as they're passing by and he's asking, Peter locks his eyes on him, it says. And, and then Peter says to him, you remember, he says, silver and gold we do not have, but, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and he pulled him up and the man began to walk and to leap and to praise God. Now, I wanna tell you, Peter had to take a step of faith in order for that to happen. Because I know this for a fact. Everything I've ever done, anybody who's ever taken a step of faith will tell you that a step of faith is always preceded by doubts and fears and worry and questions about uh, what if this doesn't work. So I would imagine that for Peter, as he's you know looking at this man intently, that and in his heart and mind, he's sensing that the Lord wants to heal him. I would imagine that even at that very moment, he was also thinking, that is a crazy thought. I can't do that. Um, you know, Jesus did that stuff, but I, I can't do that. You know, I thought I could walk on the water and I tried and that didn't work out too well either. I sunk. So, you know, Peter's probably thinking, no, 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 let me just get a shekel out and give it to him. Uh, but there's something there that he senses that God wants to do something. So he has to risk, and this is what taking steps of faith is. Taking steps of faith are risk. He has to risk looking utterly stupid if he says, stand up and walk, and the guy just sits there. So that's a, that's a possibility. But he has got to push against all of that and just take the step and go. That's what we have to do too. Because listen, Whenever you start to move in the direction of doing something for the Lord, all of those same kinds of things are going to come up in your head. You're going to think, well, who am I to ever think that I could do anything like that? I'm just an ordinary person. We've already talked about that. You're also going to think, well, gosh, what if it doesn't, you know, what if I'm wrong or what if it doesn't happen? And guess what else is going to happen? When you tell people, you know, I think the Lord wants me to do this, they're going to go, oh, that's ridiculous. God doesn't want you to do that. You can have to fight against all of that stuff. But that is just the way it is because living by faith, taking steps of faith, which everyone has to do, which is the way the church has advanced throughout the ages because people have done this, uh, you have to push through all of those objections. You have to step out into the unknown is really a good way to, to see it because the situation that calls for faith is always a situation that's beyond you. If it's not beyond you, you don't need any faith. If you can figure it all out in advance, you don't need any faith. But guess what? Most of what we do as Christians requires faith. It doesn't make sense. You can't figure it all out. 
but you sense that God is saying, listen, I want you to do this. And you're like, oh, oh gosh, okay, I guess. And so I told you recently, um, you know, we, we were in the Middle East recently. We were in the uh, country of Cyprus and we were there doing a conference and our friends who pastor a, a church there in Paphos, the city of Paphos in Cyprus, um, so the previous year when we went to visit them, they, their church was in a home and it was in a residential area. It was very beautiful the way it was set up, but it, you know, it was in a home in a residential area and everybody agreed that they needed to get out of that residential area and to get more into a, a location that was accessible, you know, something that was, people could see. So, um, when I was there the first year, the pastor, his name is Tim, he took me to look at this old dilapidated hotel and see, you know, maybe we could get that and turn that into a church. And it was, uh, no, it just wasn't going to work. But it was obvious that they needed a new building. So we come back to Cyprus this year. We find out, I didn't know this, we find out they've got a new building. They've got a storefront right on a, the main street in the town. And it's just this amazing thing. It's just the perfect setup. It's the perfect location. It's everything that we had talked about the year before. So I say to Tim, how did this happen? And he says, well, here's what happened. So, you know, he was putting feelers out. He heard about this place, knew that it was available, got together with the owner, told him who he was, talked about the possibility of getting it. And everything was wonderful until the price came up. And so the guy, you know, Tim says, so, you know, what are we looking at here as far as cost? The guy tells him, and in Tim's mind, he's like, well, that's never gonna happen because we don't have, not only do we not have that kind of money, we don't have any money. And so, you know, they go on in the conversation a little further and the guy sort of presses him like, so, well, what do you wanna do? You know, I. If you're interested, great. If you're not, then I got to move on to the next customer. So he says to Tim, he says, so what do you want to do? And Tim goes, we'll take it. <laughs> and as he said, we'll take it, he's thinking into my mind, what am I saying? Why did I say we'll take it? We don't have any money. But he, he just had a sense from the Lord. He was supposed to just trust God and take a step of faith. So he did. And then he told me that a couple days later, he gets a letter in the mail. He gets a check. A friend says, hey, you know, God just put it on our heart to give you, ah, here's 10,000 bucks. And then a couple days later, another check comes in the mail for the same amount. And so all of a sudden, they've got like 35 grand that has just come in seemingly out of nowhere, but it's exactly what they needed to be able to acquire the place and to be able to get, get it um, you know, set up. It's funny because when we were there a couple of weeks ago, uh, we kind of just felt like, you know, we need to help them out a little bit. They still got some construction. So we got home and the board, we talked about, you know, sending them a little bit of money. And so we sent it and uh, Tim just got back to us and said, you know, thank God, because we had absolutely no money to finish up. And thank you so much for the gift that you guys sent, because that will help us to do it. But I tell you that story because it's just an illustration of the way it goes. This is what taking steps of faith is like. A few years back, several years ago now, um, I visited a friend up in uh, Glasgow, Scotland with another friend. We were there together with uh, 
uh, a friend named Martin. And Martin Tatton, he was, he's an engineer by trade, and he, that's his, you know, that's what he does vocationally. And Phil Pachonis and I, Phil has since gone to be with the Lord, but uh, we were there with Martin walking around the city of Glasgow one um, warm spring evening, and we just turned to Martin and said, you know, Martin, we think the Lord wants you to start a church in here in Glasgow. And he's looking at us like, no, the Lord doesn't want me to do that. I'm not doing that. I'm an engineer. I'm fine. I'm actually thinking about moving to America. He's married to an American gal. And... Um, but, you know, the more we talked, the more he began to be sort of convinced that God was speaking to him. So he is today pastoring a church there in Glasgow. Now, um, also, as we were walking around the city, we, Phil and I, were partners in Creation Fest. So we thought, you know, seems like the Lord might want to do something here with Creation Fest. So we just kind of put that, you know, in the back of our minds and began to pray about it and think about it. A couple of years later, Phil, uh, you know, unexpectedly went to be with the Lord. And that, that thing kind of just kept going in the back of my head. And three years ago, we were in London and having a meeting, two and a half years ago. And right at the end of the meeting, we were planning for Creation Fest. Somebody came up to me and said, hey, we've been talking with the people in Scotland, and we need to make a decision right now as to whether we're going to go up there. They're waiting, but they feel like they need to know. So you need to make that decision right now. I mean, this is, this is the conversation we had. They just said to me, you need to make this. Don't think about it anymore. Just what are we going to do? And, you know, I just looked at them. I said, tell them we're coming. We're going to do it. And they looked at me like, really? Where are we going to get the money? I don't know. Just tell them we're coming. We're going to do it. So we did. And it was, again, one of those moments where I just thought, okay, Lord, I really, it doesn't make sense, but I, I just feel strongly that you're saying, let's go do it. So I think I told you the story, but so we went and we did it. And at the end, we were 1,500 pounds short of our, of our uh, budget. And I think it cost, you know, maybe 15,000 pounds to put it on. So we were 1,500 pounds short. So that was pretty good. You know, wow, God provided almost everything. And then when everything was said and done, the, the council, the city council, basically, of Glasgow, they sent us a letter and they said, we really enjoyed your event. You did a fantastic job. We think it was really, you know, a good thing for our city. So here's your 1,500 pounds back. You don't need to pay. So it's exactly what we needed to cover our budget. And when... Listen, when a city council gives you money back, you know that God is at work miraculously because that doesn't happen at all. <laughs> but I'm just trying to give you some, you know, illustrations of just this is the reality. And whether it is, you know, getting a church building in Paphos, Cyprus, or whether it's doing a, uh, an outreach event in Glasgow, Scotland, or, or whether it's you just stepping out in your community or on your job or going on a missions trip or getting involved in some sort of ministry, it's always the same thing. There's always going to be that point where you have to take a step of faith. That's just the way it goes. And we, and I've said this before, you know, I would prefer not to live by faith. I'm, it, I, 
You know, I would be happy for God to just say, hey, here it is. I'm going to do all of this, and, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, and by the way, here's all the money to do it, and just go out, and it's going to be a great success. Gotcha, Lord. I'm going. That would be fantastic. But you know, it doesn't work that way. Everybody who's ever done anything for the kingdom of God has done it by faith. So you got to take the step of faith. And that's what Peter did on that day. And that just began a series of events that, um, you know, I mean, we could even say that are still uh, going on today. Now, the final thing, the fifth and final thing here, and this kind of wraps it all up and ties it all together. We're looking at the things, you know, in, that those who are used by God have their, in their lives. This is the final thing. What did they say about these guys? They looked at them. They marveled. They are uneducated. They are just common people, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. That was the key. They had been with Jesus, but the truth of the matter was they were still with Jesus and Jesus was with them. That's why these things were happening. But that's really the, you know, as we're talking about being men and women of prayer, as we're talking about being men and women of the word, as we're talking about being men and women who are going to take steps of faith, you know, we are, and men and women who are filled with the spirit, you know, all of this is really the result of being with Jesus. See, Jesus is alive. Jesus is at work. He's moving in the world. And if we're with Jesus, guess what? We're going to be going somewhere. We're going to be doing something because he's doing something. And so being with Jesus is the key for us. God wants to use you. How do you know what he wants you to do? Well, be with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. He will show you those things. So when we talk about just being used by God. Now understand this too, that the possibilities are limitless. Now we're just looking at one situation here. Um, we go a little bit further back in Acts and we see a different situation where they were used by God. As we keep going through the book, we're going to see all kinds of different people being used by God in all kinds of different ways. And the thing that I want us to understand is that, you know, don't, think that being used by God just looks like one thing. Um, don't think it just looks like, you know, well, you got to do a miracle or you got to preach to a big crowd or, you know, that sort of thing. Cause sometimes we can, we can limit it. No, it's, it's really something that is so there's, there's so much diversity. There's so much possibility. So as many people as there are, the, the possibilities are different, but know this, that the, the, the main objective is always the same. Whatever the, the thing is that God's calling you to do and all of the variations of it, whatever the thing is, the objective is always the same, that the name of Jesus would be exalted and that people everywhere would be brought to know, love, obey, and serve him. So whatever we're doing, Whatever thing God says, I want you to do this, know that that will be the end goal of it. It might not be anything that you even see. It, maybe you're going to start uh, something that somebody else is going to fulfill 
down the road. But what's going to happen through it is, as I said, the name of Jesus will be exalted and people will be brought to know him, to love him, to obey him and serve him. So there's, there's no thing that's better than any other thing. What it comes down to is what does God want you to do? You know, if you think of just the, the, you know, the vastness of God's kingdom and all of the different people involved and all of the different personalities and giftings and all of that sort of thing, you can see that God has people that he just says, you know, look, I want you to do this. And, and they, they've already been equipped to do it and they do it. And it might be something that nobody really thinks that much about or, or thinks is all that important, but it's really, really important. So I just want us to understand that I don't want you to think narrowly that being used by God just looks like this. No, it looks like all different kinds of things. So since that is the case, here's the question that we're going to close uh, by answering. What do we do? Four things. Number one, spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus because this is where you get the, the instruction. This is where you get the, the, you know, the calling, if you will. This is where you get the sense that you know, the, the Lord wants me to do something. It's through spending time with the Lord. Now, we have to fight to do that today, don't we? Because we live in the age of distraction. With all of the amazing advances in uh, information technology and all that stuff, we've also added uh, just a ton of distractions into our lives. And I know that I have uh, been distracted many times. We have to be intentional and say, you know, I need to spend time with Jesus. So I got to step away from this. I can't get bogged down with that. I, I need to, you know, keep that um, electronic device off <laughs> for this time. And I need to make sure I'm spending time with Jesus. Secondly, we make ourselves available. Just make yourself available. You know, somebody once said, it's not ability that God is looking for, it's availability. And it's true because the ability comes from the Lord. You see, you might think of doing something for God, and maybe there's even an idea in your head, or maybe somebody's said to you, hey, would you like to do this? And you think, I can't do that. How can I do that? I don't have the ability. Well, here's the good news. If you're available, God will give you the ability. He just wants you to be available. So make yourself available to the Lord. And then thirdly, pray and watch for opportunities. So listen, when you sincerely pray, Lord, I want you to use me. He is going to take you up on it. I guarantee it. Because he wants to use you already. We've already seen the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth. God is looking to use people. He's looking to work in people's lives. So when you sincerely say, he's not going to force you to do anything for him. But when you sincerely say, Lord, I want you to use me and, and you know, show me what you want me to do. Watch for the opportunities because they will begin to come. This is the way it works. It, it begins to happen. Now, I had an experience this past week that kind of 
illustrates what I'm talking about here. So I had a friend come and see me, and she was telling me, just kind of catching up, and then she was telling me about something that was on her heart about prayer. And as she was telling me about this, and you know, I was sitting there listening, I, I really was resonating with what she was saying. I was thinking, yeah, Lord, it seems like you, you know, there might be something to this. But at the end of the conversation, she said, but let me just say, I don't feel like I'm called to lead it, but I think I could be part of a team. And I said, well, good. Okay, well, let's, you know, let's just pray for that. Let's pray that if, if this is something that the Lord really wants to see develop, then let's pray that God will put together a team. So we did. We prayed that, and she left, and that was the end of that. Two days later, I had another uh, person come to see me, not related. These people don't know each other at all or anything. And so the person sits down. They start telling me, you know, this is something the Lord's been putting on my heart. I've been doing this and showed me some different projects they were doing. And then that person said, and you know, I've been thinking about this prayer thing. And that person basically started describing exactly what the other person had described two days before. Exactly. I mean, just like really exactly, not just like a similar thing, but <laughs> the identical thing. And, and then he says to me, he says, but you know, I don't know if the Lord wants to do this. And I said, well, let me tell you something. Two days ago, sitting in that very seat where you're sitting, another person was telling me the same thing. And I said, let's pray about it and see if God will put a team together. So maybe you're a team member. Maybe the Lord is doing this. And then a day later, I told a friend about this whole thing. Before I could finish telling him the story, I see tears running down his cheeks because he's like, you know, the Lord's been putting this on my heart. So that's fresh illustration from this week about how what happens when you start to pray and ask God to show you how he wants to use you, he will bring about the opportunities a door will open up. Something in your heart that's been there for a while will suddenly come back and, and you'll think. And then, you know, uh, somebody might contact you and say, hey, are you still interested in this? Or we're going to go here and we want to do that. Would you want to come along? Or, you know, whatever it is. But those are the things. And then, of course, what do you do? You step out in faith. You just got to jump in. You just got to go for it. And so you've prayed and asked that the Lord would show you, and then opportunities start to come, and there's going to be, like I said, you know, in your own brain, there's going to be like, oh, no, I don't, I, I'm not really the person, and I'm, I'm just so ordinary. Okay, we already know God uses ordinary people. And oh, but it just doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah, we know that God just calls us to walk by faith. A lot of things don't make sense but we need to step out into those things. And so you take that step of faith. And then, you know, the, the thing here, we're going to come back and carry on in the story as we move through Acts. But, but one of the things I noticed as I was reading through here was, like I said a few minutes ago, it's just how like one step of faith just begins this, this chain reaction. Or it's like, you know, the domino effect. It's like Peter does this one thing. Instead of walking by the man and dropping a shekel in his cup like he could have done, he stops and he says, no, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. But this now sets all of these other things in motion. And so again, from that, the crowd gathers. And so Peter preaches and 2,000 more people are added. But 
also because of the crowd and because of the proclamation, the authorities are upset. So they're arrested. And now they're standing before the, the leaders of the nation and they're testifying. So my point is that none of the other things were planned. Peter takes a step of faith that uh, looks like it's just this one thing. Oh, we'll heal this man. And then we, you know, we'll go back to our business, whatever it is. No, the man was healed. And then they were just swept up in this thing that God was doing. So that's how things happen. So I want to just take you back really quickly to Scotland. So I said those three years ago or whatever it was, yeah, let's go. We're going to go do it. So we went and we've done it. We've done it for two years and God's provided. and It's been wonderful. So this past week, I get an email and the email is from another city in Scotland, the city of Dundee. And the email is from a man who represents 17 churches. They said, there are 17 of us. Uh, we have committed together and we want to invite Creation Fest to come and do an outreach in our city, just like you've been doing in Glasgow. And we will cover the cost. This is what we're going to invest in it. And can you come? So, you know, I wasn't looking to... Um, I wasn't looking to go there, but this is the... It, it's it's kind of just the the progression of the initial step of faith. And so we see now that because we took this step of faith and this happened, now another door's opening. And I'm just telling you that because that's the kind of thing that happens. But remember this, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. And if you today, as a Christian, if you are sitting here and you say, well, you know, I don't know, God's not really using me. Well, let me ask you this. Have you made yourself available? Have you asked him to use you? He wants to. But listen, when you ask him to use you, he's going to take you up on it. And that's where you're going to need to take that step of faith. But all of this is sort of preceded by the being with Jesus. Let's be with Jesus. Let's spend time with the Lord. There's so much to do in the world today. There's so many people that desperately need to know the Savior. There's plenty of work to do. And it's always the same from generation to generation. Jesus said it. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. That's the reality today as well. But here we all are. And let's just say, Lord, here am I, like Isaiah did many centuries ago, um, the Lord said, who will go for us? Who, who can we send? And Isaiah just said, here am I, Lord, send me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I got all kinds of problems, but Lord, here I am, send me. And God did. He cleansed him. He did what was necessary. And he sent him and he'll do the same with you and me. So Lord, we thank you that this is true, that you want to use us. And Lord, that you will empower us to be used. You'll equip us. You'll fill us with your spirit. Lord, as we take steps of faith, you'll meet us there. But Lord, we recognize that it will be steps of faith that we have to take. So help us to be willing to take those steps so that in the end, the name of Jesus will be exalted and people who don't yet know you would come to know you and people who do know you would be strengthened in their relationship with you to love you, obey you, and serve you themselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.